Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in again. I am Kaylee Bateman, the Content Director at She Can Code, and today we're going to be discussing shareholder activism. The working world has seen an increased focus on environmental, social and governments, or ESG, initiatives in recent years. But what happens when companies are resistant to more ethical and sustainable practices? This is where shareholder activism comes in. Today, we're going to delve into this with someone who is an expert on the topic. It's Jenna Armitage, Chief Marketing Officer at Tulip Share. Welcome, Jenna. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. Before we get started, can I ask you to share a little bit about your background and, and yourself, please? Yeah, so I am born and raised in New York. Um, I have been in the financial services space for actually over 13 years now, uh, which is exciting. Never really thought I'd fall into financial services. Wasn't uh, wasn't the career path that I had imagined, but I'm very happy to be here, especially now uh, doing what we're doing here at TulipShare. Uh, prior to TulipShare, I was a marketing director at Fidelity. I was freelance for a couple of years working with uh, many well-known private equity firms, consulting groups, um, and what got me into shareholder activism was a uh, one of the clients I was working with, Engine Number One, um, and their campaign against Exxon. And it was really at that moment that I realized I was probably I was I was in the right place <laughs> at the right time for sure. And uh, finally, all of my you know experience in the financial services space was going to really start to align with my uh, passions of you know. Um, changing things for the better. Um, you know, it feels a lot more like you are able to not only just, um, you know, invest for financial returns, but invest to actually drive the change that the world needs. And uh, that's super exciting to me and I'm really happy to chat with you about it. Yeah, it's interesting to say that you fell into financial services. We hear that a lot in technology. Um, and, and that, you know, you didn't grow up thinking I would love to go in that area. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, I was definitely looking for jobs when Occupy Wall Street was happening, meaning uh, the only paid jobs you could get uh, by chance were in financial services. Most of, you know, the jobs in fashion or uh, things that are a bit more creative, which I had always seen myself kind of gravitating towards, just weren't available at the time. And, um you know, today I'm grateful because <laughs> yeah. I can see a lot of change and a lot of um, good I can do in, in the space that I'm in, uh, both to inspire more women to get engaged and more women to get involved uh, in the financial services space and in technology. But, um, uh, you know, day to day in my role, it's it's very uh, closely tied to impact. So it's it's quite nice to know that, you know, at the end of the day, the work that you're doing is is really seeking to drive change at uh, public companies with global reach and, um, you know, change the way that you and I live, <laughs> hopefully. Yes. Yeah. And and today, so we're going to be delving into shareholder activism. Um, it's, it's something that I think a lot of us have heard of, but probably don't understand um, in, in depth. Could you explain what exactly is shareholder activism? Yeah. So um, it's no surprise most people don't know what shareholder activism is. And the problem really stems back to that as shareholders, we don't feel like owners. <laughs> um, you know, when you buy shares in a company, you technically are the owner of that company. So whether that be Apple, Nike, um, Amazon, Facebook, or Meta now, you name it, 
you are a partial owner of that company, which means that that company reports back into you. Um, shareholder activism is the act of investing your money into publicly traded companies and using your shares to influence the company's corporate governance. However, the problem is that most people take a passive approach to investing, and that's not necessarily because they want to. It's just that they're not aware that, you know, or feel like owners of these companies that they actually own shares in. So uh, what we do at Tulip Shares, we enable individuals to purchase stocks or, you know, so you purchase a share or a um, fractional share in Tesla because you want Elon Musk's salary to be tied to uh, ESG instead of just his ability to hit financial targets. Um, so it's quite powerful uh, and really, I'd say, uh, it's very needed, um, particularly uh, you know with COP27 going on as we're recording this. Uh, it's very easy to feel powerless with everything that's going on around us. I mean, here in the UK, we didn't elect our current prime minister. We have, you know, um, no say as to what governments are going to do globally. It, it just you know often feels like you're sitting back without much to do. And shareholder activism is a world uh, that enables individuals to you know invest to, you know, start to speak out to some of the biggest companies in the world. It sounds, um, I suppose, to some people, it sounds quite daunting to think um, that, you know, you invest and that you could, well, at, at, you know, an absolute extreme level, you know, pressure um, a management team to make change. But I suppose it's it's not quite at that level, is it? Is it for 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 most of these things? It's I suppose you think of investors, as you say, like Elon Musk, and you think, oh no, you know, that's really not for me. But I take it, you know, on a on an everyday um, example um, of shareholder activism, actually, it's it's not as extreme as that. No, that's why, you know, retail investors especially never got involved in shareholder activism. The shareholder, shareholder activism that I'd assume most people are aware of are, are more the stories that you see in billions or secession, <laughs> you yes. know, where you have these big hedge funds, these rich, you know, wealthy individuals that are looking to pressure companies so that they can, you know, they identify these companies because they're falling short um, on some financials and, you know, the investor sees an opportunity to, uh, you know, fix the operations on that company to make more money. Um, we're identifying ethical issues that are at the company, which do pause, like poise a, a risk to the financials as well, but not an immediate one. So mm-hmm. most investors will ignore it, but we're saying, you know what, you can't really in- ignore climate change anymore. <laughs> and, you know, um, and soon governments are starting, you know, governments are even getting involved. So, it, you know, it's very much in the near term that, you know, you must change and, and agree to hit these targets. Otherwise, we're in big trouble here. Um, and that's where I'd say Tulip Share is much different. That and both the fact that, you know, you don't have to invest a lot of money. <laughs> you know, you can invest 25 pounds and be a part of this movement. And, um, you know, what we do is we then collectivize the shares of all of our users so that we can put more pressure on the company. And um, and that's really where we're, we're able to do so much. <laughs> uh, can you give us um, any examples of shareholder activism? Yeah. So um, at Tulip Share, we recently had a campaign where we had three campaigns that we submitted proposals on, uh, one at Johnson & Johnson um, that was looking 
for them to stop the global sales of talc-based baby powder, which was known to cause cancer, um, uh, primarily in women, um, and uh, has been, the the sale of talc-based baby powder had been discontinued in North America due to um, uh, lawsuits and litigation issues that they had faced as a result of um, its ties to cancer. However, the company continued to sell it globally. Um, We launched the campaign because we've only been around for a year. We launched the campaign, I'd say, a couple of months prior to the annual general uh, meeting, the AGM, for Johnson and Johnson. And um, Johnson and Johnson has Johnson and Johnson has since announced that they are discontinuing the global sales of talc-based baby powder at the end of the year. So I'd say that's a big one and one that we've shown, you know, the power that you can have as an individual to back, you know, a campaign like this through Tulip Share. Um, you know, the next stage from there is to also show kind of how these decisions that the company is making are also, you know, proving to show some growth for the company as well financially, because ultimately when you invest, you're investing to, um, you know, earn returns, hit financial targets, um, reach different life goals that you have. And so, um, you know, we're we're working on kind of bridging that narrative, um, which is exciting. But uh, that's, I'd say, one good example that I have can share with you yeah I mean perfect because my next question actually is why is shareholder activism important but obviously from what you've just said it brings about change you know from a small scale right up to somebody as large as, as uh, Johnson & Johnson yeah it, you know I think when uh, governance is an important thing to have right you know um uh, but when companies are able to operate you know, and nobody's questioning their decisions. It's not something to say, you know, you're doing something wrong. It's it's really about having a growth mindset, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and making sure that you're staying true to, you know, your company mission, vision, values, you know, that you're um, staying relevant for, you know, your customers and your investors are also your customers as well as your owners. But, um, you know, you often inv- like, or um, I can say I personally, you know, um, and I, I can't give any financial advice, but I tend to, um, uh, and, and wouldn't want anybody to take this as a, as any financial advice, but I personally choose to invest in, in companies and brands that I believe in, you know? And so when you take that approach, you know, I think governance can really be used for good, you know, like for instance, Nike, I've, I, I played sports growing up. I was, um, uh, played uh, soccer in university, and, uh, use Nike products all the time with Nike. I can't stand kind of like the issues that it has across its supply chain uh, with garment workers. And, you know, that's where Tulip Share allows me to say, you know what, I'm a fan of Nike, but I can't stand the way it's producing its its products. Um, and, you know, I'm going to work to communicate that by investing on Tulip Share and backing this campaign, um, you know, to try and make a difference in the long term. Yeah, I, I agree there um, entirely. And you mentioned um, climate change a, a little bit already. Um, could shareholder activism be the key to tackling climate change and sustainability? Um, I mean, it could be one of the keys for sure. Um, because shareholder activism, you know, uh, pushes companies uh, to um, uh, pushes companies to report to um, report and act around these issues and and how it's, um, 
causing climate change or, you know, consistently not meeting targets, et cetera. Um, and these are all, that's an operational problem, right? At the company, this isn't just, um, you know, they're, they're not operation, operationalizing or prioritizing this. Um, but shareholder activism, yes, can definitely be one of the keys that, you know, um, that can help, you know, I, I personally believe can be one of the keys that can help um, solve issues around climate change. I mean, we also, it does take, um, you know, collaboration with government, with people, but you can't, I'm a, I'm a big believer that you can't blame consumers. Um, you know, these companies are marketing to consumers and, you know, um, we need to be better. And I think shareholder activism can be a a great tool to, that can be leveraged to help, uh, to help in tackling the, um, the issues around climate change for sure. Yeah. And and in terms of um, ESG shareholder activism, is that on the rise, do you think? hundred percent. Yeah. We've seen numbers of proposals going up year over year, um, 100%. And, you know, Tulip shares the first platform that allows individuals to get involved in, in shareholder activism, um, both in voting and also submitting our own proposals. So we don't just, um, cause there's other voting platforms out there or ways that, um, you know, some investors, depending on what platform they're investing on can actually vote at the AGM. Um, and also assuming that they meet specific criteria, it's, it's quite, um, the, it, it's hard to understand, you know, as a, as an investor, what rights you have, where, you know, based off of where you bought your shares, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I'd say, you know, shareholder activism is definitely on the rise in terms of, you know, both the, the amount of parties that are getting involved. Um, it's definitely been, you know, picking up in the media quite a lot, which means that consumers are slowly becoming more aware, um, which is all positive for sure. Yeah. You just mentioned there about um, people understanding or investors understanding where to get their information. Where, where do they start with that? Well, I think first understanding kind of what platform are you using today to invest and, you know, are you investing individually in stocks? Are you purchasing, um, you know, are are you buying them through funds or ETFs, uh, you know, which is a big one and um, speaking to your broker um, so that you can understand kind of what is their policy on this. Um, And it's worth the time. It's worth the time and it's worth the effort to to understand, because otherwise, if you forfeit your right to vote, you know, um, you're you're losing out on the opportunity to make sure that your money is being aligned with your values. And that's definitely something that I'm prioritizing uh, for 2023 personally and and something I I'd, I'd encourage others to do as well. I'm not sure if you've heard of Make My Money Matter, but they do a lot of really cool um, uh, cool marketing campaigns around um uh, your pension schemes, because that's a big one, because everybody here in the UK has a pension scheme. And um, they have really big facts and figures on, you know, how many people's pensions are funding deforestation, um, you know, and and other big things that they don't. They did a really funny uh, uh, media stunt around that, um, showing a couple getting, you know, um, uh, huge tools and, and stuff like that, that are used to chop down trees and um, you know, paying attention to kind of how your money is being funded uh, is is really important <laughs> because yes. it doesn't matter. Yeah. It does, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're eating organic, if you're, you know, um, following your own personal reuse, <laughs> uh, refills policy, you know, in, in your household or, um, you know, driving an electric car. <laughs> 
your your pension scheme, you know, is accruing and um, and and kind of working against you in that capacity. So paying attention to your money is, is super important. Yeah, uh, something that um, I think most people probably <laughs> haven't yeah. even thought of to that extent. Um, how effective is shareholder activism in achieving results? I mean, you mentioned a couple of examples already. Obviously, the Johnson and Johnson one um, was highly successful. But um, what what about you know other examples? Um, other examples of success in shareholder. I, it's really a case by case scenario in terms of how how you know how successful is shareholder activism and um, uh, to date. Um, there's lots of, you know, you hear like engine number one's takeover of Exxon's board uh, or not takeover, sorry. Um, uh, you know, they got three board seats, um, which was which was great, um, you know, and and really kind of ensured that they had people with the right uh, credentials to be helping Exxon um, uh, Exxon uh, transition to a more climate friendly uh, policy and path forward, uh, which is very important. But uh, I'd say, you know, change takes time. So, you know, it's, it's definitely, I'd say harder. I mean, there's been studies on some of the shareholder proposals that were like, um, I believe it was on Starbucks and their racial equity audit. And um, you can follow kind of how like the success on an individual level, I think the reporting as a whole, like, so looking at, you know, these proposals have been passed, what's happened with the company since it's, um, that level of communication, I think, certainly needs to be um, enhanced by the investor relations teams. Um, but it is starting to get better because they're, you know, um, investor relations teams at these companies are having to deal with such a, you know, a huge influx of number of proposals being um, uh, being sent. And in the U.S., they've they've now made it even easier for um, investors to submit proposals. There was a re- most recently they removed this duplicative proposal rule. Um, uh, which now means that there's going to be a lot of proposals that are um, being presented to the uh, the company and board, assuming it, everything gets passed and, um, you know, around, you know, maybe uh, tackling climate change. But the only thing different is the way in which that they're tackling climate change. And so, I mean, I think that's such a positive thing there, right? Because, um, yeah. you know, it makes sure that the conversation is coming up multiple times and the board is listening. So, you know, you're getting the intention of, of the board and the most senior people at that company. And, you know, that ought to uh, flag that, you know, your investors really do care about this and, um, you know, you should probably start to incorporate this into your long-term business plans, because if not, you're going to lose eventually. And that's not going to be a good thing, both for the company or your owners. So. Yeah. And and what about the companies? You know, what, what should companies be doing to mitigate the risk of shareholder activism um, on ESG? I think, you know, being more transparent, open and honest is, um, is really key. Um, you know, invest in, investor relations is changing. Uh, and the way that companies need to start engaging with their investors is, is changing as a result. I mean, invest like, you know, the way that we communicated um, and uh, the way that we communicate with each other is also changing. People want more information real time, you know, so that experience just needs to get better in general. Um, so I think definitely um, being a bit more interactive, open, um, honest, even when numbers aren't looking right or you're unsure. I mean, ESG isn't an easy thing to track or measure too, which is a huge problem. Um, I think being, you know, uh, 
open about that and listen to, um, you know, listen to your shareholders and, you know, both big and small um, is really important. And I hope, uh, and we're starting to see bits of, um, bits of that, you know, new wave and, and kind of um, participation on the investor relations side with companies come to fruition, which is great because obviously it just creates, like, there doesn't need to be animosity. It shouldn't be such a fight. Like, you know, I think, having more open and honest conversations around these issues and, um, and being comfortable, being a bit vulnerable, um, you know, even on the company side, uh, is a good thing and positive and, um, and will help us, you know, reach these different targets together, um, quick, more quickly. And, um, and it, it will just be a positive thing for, for everyone. Yeah, and obviously, um, you know, companies being more transparent is is um, is a huge thing um, to to push forward. But what can our listeners um, do? You know, on an individual level, um, if they wanted to push for change and they weren't really sure at the moment what to do, is is there anything that that they can do themselves? Um, I would definitely. I think the first step is really just taking a look at your investments and understanding, you know, um, where are your investments held. held. Um, you know, like I said, everybody has a pension. I think that's probably the first place to start. You know, spend a half an hour um, every Sunday for the month of January or something like that. Um, just basically trying to just understand kind of where your current what what's your current financial setup. Uh, where is your money invested and have a conversation. If you have a financial advisor, speak to them, um, you know, and, and start to just evaluate kind of what are your values? What do you want your investments to, to stand for? And how do you want to kind of um, resort uh, your financial plans in a way that aligns to your, your values. Uh, and, and that's something you can really work with a financial advisor on for sure. Um, I would Definitely speak if you are investing directly on um, a brokerage platform. I would definitely speak to them and understand what your um, rights are for you know as a share owner or shareholder um, uh, to see kind of you know understand the process. Are you allowed? Are you eligible to vote? And and really just speak to them. Um, ask questions. Um, you can yeah. always go if you have any questions. Um, our team at Toolshare is always happy to to support around that. So I would definitely welcome them to go to Toolshare. There's a, um, a help bot on our on our page, and you can speak to our customer success team that can also help in pointing you to the right direction, um, which might be helpful as well. Um, I suppose a lot of people, um, or a lot of shareholders, probably weren't aware that they could ask questions as well. Yeah, you can. You have rights as a shareholder, and I think that's that's one thing that's very important. Is you know, um, you, as an investor, you you have rights. Whenever you, I mean, even buy into uh, you know an ETF fund, or um, you know, just in terms of what the reporting that you receive back, and um, unfortunately, you know, the user experience uh, maybe isn't as uh, you know as seamless or easy. Um, you know, I for one never found it personally to be, you know, very easy. The amount of like email notifications I would receive was just too much, um, that it's really easy to kind of, um, I'd say just, uh, drown, you know, be, be kind of, um, uh, not paying attention, <laughs> um, to kind of what's happening behind the, behind the scenes. So I'd say just kind of, you know, really just 
setting up some, setting some time aside and, and just, um, you know, making sure that you're emailing and asking those questions and following up on it is, is huge. Yeah. And, and what do you think um, the future will bring for shareholder activism and, and ESG? Um, I think the future is going to be a lot more transparent. I'm hoping that, you know, um, increased number of shareholder activism uh, or shareholder proposals and um, what have you will increase the amount of data these com- the, each of these companies are, are tracking and measuring and, um, and sharing both with the public and their investors, um, you know, to, to, cert- to a certain extent. Um, and, you know, that's going to create competition. So if you have Coca-Cola, you know, being pressured to have a refill reuse policy and they adopt it, well, Pepsi, what are you doing about that? You know, so I think that is going to create massive change in industries that really need um, some help. And I mean, these companies, the people running these companies are, they're, you know, very, very smart, very capable individuals. And if you get them focused on um, different goals and objectives, you know, we're going to start to see those targets being met. And that's a really cool thing. Yeah. Well, uh, we we have run out of time, I'm afraid. Um, it goes incredibly fast here when we're talking about a really interesting topic. So thank you um, so much for joining us. I'm sure a lot of listeners um, probably didn't realise that, you know, they can actually um, bring about change um, when it comes to their investments, and they probably, uh, the, the, especially the thought of their pension, probably hadn't even crossed their mind. So, um, thank you very much for for joining us today. Pleasure being here. Thank you, and for everybody listening, as always, um, thank you for joining us, and we hope to see you again next time. <laughs>